Hello everybody and welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. And the Event Industry News Podcast is back on the road. For the first time in a couple of years, we've packed up our podcast studio into our suitcases and we've uh, trekked it down to London. We're set up at the London home of Crucial Effects uh, at their brand new Origin experience. Um, And having done that first thing this morning, we're now in a lovely office uh, with our microphone set up and our podcast studio ready to roll. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by two gentlemen who will be here to talk about last year's Ryder Cup. The 42nd Ryder Cup matches were held in France from the 28th to the 30th of September 2018 at Le Golf National, southwest of Paris. And on the show today, I'm delighted to say that Ryder Cup match director Edward Kitson joins us. Edward, thanks for joining the podcast today. Good morning to you. Thank you. And uh, sitting alongside Edward is Mr. David Tunnicliffe. David is the commercial director at GL Events, who play a massive part in the delivery of the infrastructure at the Ryder Cup and have done for uh, for several years now. David, welcome along to the podcast. Good morning. Um, so we're going to be talking today about, uh, as I said, the, the infrastructure. Um, Edward Kitson, as I said, is the match director for the Ryder Cup. Um, and I suppose the best place to start with that whole conversation, Edward, is what does being match director involve? What, uh, what would be a, you know, a day-to-day example of what you get up to in the planning and the delivery of the tournament? It's, uh, very simply, it's everything what happens outside the ropes during the, during the week of the Ryder Cup. So myself and the team are responsible for the whole operational delivery of the Ryder Cup. So from how a spectator actually gets to the Ryder Cup, the, the experience during the day, whether they bought hospitality, whether they are uh, watching the golf the, for the first day, the catering, all the layout of all the structures, the grandstands on the site, the big screens... Um, and you know it takes an awful lot of planning over many years to to create the, the Ryder Cup, and we started back in in t- 2012 working with the French Golf Federation, who were the hosts to the Ryder Cup, and um, we started looking at the whole golf course and how we could improve the golf course uh, to deliver a, a really m- massive and successful Ryder Cup. And when you say improve the golf course, in your particular role, uh, we're not presumably talking about the actual quality of the greens or the fairways, as you said, it's everything outside of those ropes. Those ropes that mark where the, the, the audience, the, the crowds stop and the actual play begins, you're talking about everything that goes off you know, outside of that. That's correct. I have a colleague who's responsible for, for the setup of the golf course in, inside the ropes. Uh, as I said, my role is really everything outside the, uh, outside the ropes. But we, we work very closely with the, F- the French Golf Federation, who actually shut the golf course down for one year and did some massive changes. They put in totally new drainage, new irrigation. They did some general tweaks to the golf course. But the, the, the view, because we played a number of French Opens already at the, at the Golf National, that the golf course was a good enough test. But how could we actually just tinker with it to make the whole spectator experience better? Because that's something we're always striving to do. And one of the issues was on the... It had some wonderful banks all the way around the, the Gulf National, but actually it was covered in gorse and, and broom and bush. So we worked with them and cleared a lot of that out so that these natural uh, amphitheaters were created, um, particularly around the, the last four holes, which created a massive excitement. Mm. Uh, uh, and of course, having a great golf course on which to play is one thing, but having a great golf course and having a great venue that you can actually bring in hundreds of thousands of people and facilitate all the hospitality that presumably has to go along the logistics of vehicles coming in on, on and off site the great golf course is one thing but actually being able to deliver everything else that you need is, is another thing how uh, how long is the vetting process to actually sort of select 
the right course for any given mm. Ryder Cup tournament and how was Le Golf National decided upon? Yeah. There was um, six countries actually bid for the 2018 Ryder Cup uh, and this goes back to the process started in 2009 and the, the venue was selected in 2011. Um, the, the actual, you know, a lot of detail goes into that, as I say, into the golf course, but also very much into how, the, um, how we will get the spectators there to the site. And it's mm -hmm. obviously so crucial to any event organiser is to make the first part of any spectator experience is getting to the venue and their last memory is actually leaving the venue. So we work very closely with all the authorities in France in how we could create a successful transport plan. And we wanted to use, um, because they want to have a good environmental legacy to the event, and so we used two, two sort of train hubs to bring in over 50% of the public spectators actually came by train, which is the first time we've ever achieved that at a Ryder Cup. So uh, this was very much part and parcel of the plan, but also we worked on, on any road improvements and looking at areas where we could do par off-site parking, which didn't impact too much the residents locally. Mm -hmm. And one of the other big challenges we had was that the, you know, the Renault have their, their European base, which is almost adjacent to the Gulf National. So we work very closely with them as, as to a way that they very kindly, um, during the week of the Ryder Cup, they, they had flexi hours for their workers on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then they actually closed the whole of the Renault Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we had also that as contingency parking. So again, it's very much a relationship working with the community, mm. working with the authorities, and also working you know, with the government who were very supportive to it. And, and on the subject of, of road improvements, so this is a nice point to, uh, to bring David into the conversation. David, GL Events, you, you, the role that you've got there, I guess the, the first question I ask is what exactly do you supply there? Or what don't you supply? Maybe well, not road improvements. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, for the Ryder Cup specifically, we provide the temporary structures, which mm -hmm. would be in layman's terms marquees. They're not marquees. These are triple-decker, three-storey structures. Some of them are two-storey. Some of them are very large. The, the retail area is sort of 50, 60 metres by 40, 50 metres. It's a very big space. We're not talking about small marquees. Mm. Uh, in addition to that, we supplies sometimes sometimes we supply the internal fit out elements of it uh, or work with other other suppliers that Ryder Cup would put forward to work with on our structures for heating power mm. distribution lighting so we provide I would say we provide the nuts and bolts we're, we're one of the suppliers that provides the nuts and bolts to be clear and, and my link with the whole road improvement side of things is, is presumably Edward when you're looking at procuring suppliers and when you're looking at the infrastructure that you would ideally like to put in for a tournament of the scale of the Ryder Cup you've got to look at things like not just the road improvements to getting the spectators on and off during the actual tournament days itself but for suppliers like David to bring on all of their vehicles you have to look at the access and how you're going to actually deliver that infrastructure build which presumably takes weeks if not months in the run-up mm -hmm. to it. Absolutely with with um, the Federation here and the Gulf National we they, when they submitted their, their bid, they put forward their ideas of how they thought the site would work. Obviously, we looked at that, we discussed together how we could actually improve that. And, and you know, a number of the areas that GL did beautifully for them. It was the first time, actually, in France, three-tier structures were ever built on a golf course. Mm. And we looked at, um, we created um, three platforms when, when the course was shut to actually house these uh, GL structures which was you know, had wonderful views over a number of the holes. It was something very unique that we've actually done for the first time in, in, in France. And also the other big focus we had was around the first tee experience and um, something that uh, we've grown with each Ryder Cup, the whole first tee experience. It's one of the things that the spectators mm. want to be there for that first shot on, on Friday morning at, at 10 to 8 in the morning. I mean, we had queues at 5.30 <laughs> in the morning in the, in the bus terminals of people coming in and the, you know, this comes back to the whole transport planning. 
But we, this was the biggest ever first tee experience we built with, with GL events. It was a, and it's one of the unique factors that, that um, in, in Paris was the first tee experience. Seven and a half thousand seats around the first tee. And um, when it comes to actually designing a structure like that, David, yeah. you know, how, how difficult is it to do that? Because you will have such high demand from, from Edward, presuming his team, for how many people can actually be in and around yeah. something like the first team. How do you go about designing a structure it's like a that? It's a long process because you've, you've got to think of the sight lines, the audience, the structure integrity of what you're building, where just the, the camera angles are going to be used, the players need to have an input about, you know, they don't want to be disturbed too much, but the atmosphere around the first hole was absolutely spectacular this year, and that was achieved by building almost a horseshoe of seats around the first hole, then continued round to the end of the 18th for memory, so oh. it was a, almost an S-shape of seats. And, you know, we did some very strange things. We went to a, before the event even started, we went to a, a, a cricket ground, and we put a golf ball in the middle of the cricket ground, and we took a photograph from how far you would be away on the top of the seat to see how the audience would see that golf ball. So we really look into the sight lines. Mm. So we take into consideration sight lines first, well, safety first, obviously, the sight lines, how the guests are going to get in and out of that that many seats because you've got 7,000 people trying to get on, on off a stand. You need to consider how they're going to get on and off safely. Absolutely. And you're also working with a lot of different, I suppose, stakeholders, if you can call it that, because right. you, you mentioned sight lines, not just for the spectators, but you've got hundreds, thousands of TV cameras, uh, press photographers there who all need access. Yeah. And how much manipulation has to go into the infrastructure once it's actually been been built, how much contingency is allowed so that if you get on site and actually there's a conversation with a TV director where you might have to move something around, how can, are you able to do that? I would say with Edward's team that's quite rare because they plan ahead with the TV, with the media buyer, they plan ahead with catering, they plan ahead so by the time we get to stand to site we've pretty much got a full set of 3D working drawings, there's always going to be tweaks on site, there's always going to be something that's in the wrong sight of line, mm -hmm. And but there's, they're generally because we've got this understanding between supplier and customer that we've we both have got a common goal to deliver something so with the rider cut specifically uh, we don't tend to have those last minute changes that we would mm. with other projects because we have this we've done four rider cups over 12 years or three rider cups over 12 years so we kind of know what edwards team expects and we know what media partners want and we know where the air condition is going to come in, we know where we just got. We've got an understanding, and we can, you know, sometimes Ed will say stuff, or Edward's team will say things to us, and we'll say that's not a bad idea. But have you thought of this? Because actually, we know that a particular product might work better a different way. Mm. So it's a very much a collaborative approach to getting avoiding those problems before we get there. Sure. Um, the the structures at tournaments like the Ryder Cup now become a, a very much an iconic part mm. of a tournament. When you look back in the archives, with so many photographs and so much media now available for, for people to actually see visually what happened there, um, do you feel the pressure from, from tournament to tournament, collectively or individually, to improve upon what you did yeah. at the previous tournament? You have to... Improve. You have to always think about your guests, the guests that are coming. I mean, we're here specifically for the Ryder Cup, but other major events would have a different guest expectation. Mm -hmm. we, we hope GL knows what the Ryder Cup guest wants. So we work with the Ryder Cup team to create that experience. So the, the challenge isn't in necessarily, firstly, delivering something new for the sake of it. It's ticking the first box. Is it, is it comfy? Will it keep them dry? Will it keep them warm or cool? You know, can they get to a toilet? We look at the very practical sides of things mm -hmm. first. You've got to, got to get that right first. And then we can start making it a bit more interesting, perhaps. Adding a, adding different concepts to it, looking at different simpler things of colours, or how people get in, or cladding, or branding, or immersive experiences when you get in the structure. So, But the first thing we have to do as a temporary structure company is, is the seat comfortable? 
can they get in the seat? You know, can they get can they get in the lift? Can disabled people get in and out of the structure? So it's very much practical side of things first, and then we add the dressing secondly, which that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all events is about collaboration, and we we always work closely with all our suppliers. Um, we're the European Tour Rider Cup is it's very loyal to companies that work well for us, mm-hmm. and if they deliver a good job, we like to reward them and work with them again. They recognise that what we're trying to achieve is a premium product, mm-hmm. and that is what we're always aspiring to as Ryder Cup, is the highest and the premium, and that is what the spectator and the guests and our partners and sponsors are ex- experience. We, through the sort of process of, of doing this sort of site overlay, it's very, as I say, it's very much a, no, a collaboration when we, when we obviously mapped out what we want in our minds what we want to do on site as far as the structures we sat down with with gl and other suppliers and said look this is where we see the hospitality is going this is what we want to achieve go away and see what you feel will be the best structure to to fit in that area and then you know we had three companies tendering for for different areas and then we came down to select two companies that we felt that actually delivered the best product for us on site and and particularly on the grandstand, it was again a very interesting experience. This first tee grandstand, because when we probably probably had about ten different drafts mm. before we got to the final one, um, it was actually slightly larger at the time. It got to over ten thousand seats, but when we actually got to it, and, and, and as David alluded to earlier, they put a golf ball down, and then when we had a, you know ten thousand, it was so far away, and it was actually over twenty-eight meters high. Wow. And the general feeling was that the actual spectator. Because it's all—it's not like being in a in a in a stadium where you've got a walling around it. You were going to be out in the open, and it was a sort of general feeling. Gosh, this would be the highest. You know, although we wanted it to be as high, this would actually some people might get spooked by the height. Sure. So we decided actually to slightly lower it down because also we wanted to put some hospitality boxes on the back. It's again a new innovation that we we we, we did the Ryder Cup, and um, and I think it's it, it, you know again that came down to working together. You know, it wasn't just about. GL seeing this as an opportunity to put as many seats in as possible, they gave us advice. Look, think about this. This could be a challenge. How you know the you know the amount of staircases it's going to be for the person getting up <laughs> to the top. Yeah. How are we going to service those those hospitality units at the top, bringing the water, the the food, and everything up? It was going to be a major logistical challenge. So we start, as I say, we we widened it, widened it, but we kept reduced the height slightly. So. Uh, so to, uh, going back to something you mentioned uh, a little while ago about improvements that the course had actually made over the course of a year, you know, mm. to, to drainage, cutting back mm. of, of certain bits of gauze to open up mm. some of these amphitheatre areas. David, w- w- were, the, were the structures designed based on the changes that were going to be made or were the changes that were made to the course done so in order to facilitate the types of structure that you wanted to put in, or was there a combination I think the of both? The latter of the two. Is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, 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 a, stru- a temporary structure in its nature is um, it's a it's a Locarno kit. It joins together, so there is you, you're, you're working on specific square meterage kind of uh, limitations. Mm-hmm. So, and that's from not just GL, but from most temporary structure suppliers. So. Edward's guys know this. They know already what sort of structure dimensions are, are playable. So I'm sure when Ed was looking at Italy next year, he in their mind they're going to say, well, we can fit a 20 meter, 50 meter, 30 meter structure there. When it comes to the seating, there's slightly more flexibility, I would say. Yeah. Um, but no, I would I would think that Edward's team knew an idea of the footprint, and that's what was 
Sure. Done on, on ground. Again, just, just touching on something that you mentioned from an accessibility point of view, how many stairs people would need to climb, etc., mm. etc. You, you will have one eye on uh, guests with, with physical uh, d disabilities mm. uh, and creating accessibility for disabled spectators. Was How sophisticated were the structures in terms of what you were able to put? Were you able to put in um, lifts or you know, yeah, disabled absolutely. lifts and yeah, things no, like that? I think that? it's fair to say that any anybody who wasn't as able as others could have seen most of the course I think yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah um, 10 days before the Ryder Cup the, and this is a nuance in, in working in France they had a delegation of over 30 people who came around and went around every structure and with that there was someone in a wheelchair who came and to see whether he could get to everywhere on the site yeah. and we had to conform to that uh, and make sure that there was an ability for someone in a wheelchair to access every element of the site so whether it's around the golf course inside a, a GL structure. Most of them all had lifts, but if they didn't, we had to have these um, sort of uh, staircase uh, systems that enabled a disabled person to get up. So it was something we, we'd never faced before. And again, that came down to, you know, the whole health and safety in, of, of an event. And we, you know, we obviously do um, mm. want to conform to every, every measure. Um, just just uh, looking at, at GL's HQ, David, um, am I right in saying that, you, that the HQ is in France? Yeah. Headquarters um, in the, the, the yeah Leon yeah okay it's, it's from a, an actual hardware point of view how much was was sourced from the base in France uh, how much came over from the UK and what what the logistics like in getting the sheer volume of, of hardware there that, that that was required it was probably fifty fifty I would think I mean I don't know exactly but we did ship quite a bit of stuff in the UK mainly because the structures that uh, we use the Ryder Cup, aren't used so much in the rest of Europe. Edward right. said earlier that the triple-decker, the, the multi-deck structure, it was the first time that's been built on a golf course in France. Right. In fact, I think it's only the second one ever been built in France. So there's not the call in France to hold that kit. Whereas in the UK, we do use that kit a lot. Right. It's used at Ascot, it's used last week at Cheltenham. It's used all over the place. So that a lot of the, the multi-deck stuff is kept here. Some of the more simple structures, where it was just generally more economical and commercially favourable to do that came from France. Okay. Um, but most of the more intricate stuff came from the UK. In, in the planning stages, Edward, and in the build-up, uh, uh, David just referenced Cheltenham and, and Ascot. Were you able to actually go out and see some of the GL structures in situ at other sporting events and look at how they were being deployed? Yeah, I, I think as an, an event organiser, it's always important to attend other sporting events, and, and it's something that I, I personally and all the team try and attend. Because you get ideas, you learn and, and, and gain, and obviously, you know, looking at whether it's a tented structure or, or the way they're decked out internally, it all gives you inspiration to, to always improve. And, uh, and as I say, that's what we aspire to do, to always get to be a leader, certainly yeah. in, in um, event delivery. We went over to America, I think two of our colleagues went over to America two years ago. So we go and look at other Ryder Cups to see how, what's happening over there, what's, this, what's, what's yeah. fashionable. And with, with horses, I went over to Melbourne this year to the Gold Cup with two of the, you know, my biggest clients in the UK. And it's just about exactly that. You get some inspiration, you see how someone else is doing it wrong or rightly, mm -hmm. and you, you add all that together into a pot and that's how you come up with the answer. And I guess when you, when you consider the fact that uh, if you compare it in golfing terms, the Masters every year is always at Augusta. So they have the same course every year, so they can look at the same venue every year to look at how they can tweak it and improve it. The difficulty of the Ryder Cup, of course, is that it's bouncing backwards and forwards across the Atlantic, but then when it does come back over to Europe and it falls back onto you to, to, to arrange, you're working in a new environment. Maybe not every time, it will repeat certain courses, but you're essentially starting with a blank canvas in some respects. Absolutely, and you can say that um, uh, the last time that the Ryder Cup was at the same venue was at 2002 at the Belfry, mm -hmm. and since then we've been at a different venue ever since. Um, 
as an organiser, you can say, gosh, it'd be much easier to return to the same one, but actually it, it gives you that extra dimension, excitement, that you're going to, to a new venue, you're creating new relationships, you've got new challenges, and that's what I enjoy about my job. It's certainly not repetitive anyway, and, and mm. I, I love, and all the team do, love the opportunity of, of going to different parts of the world. We're, we're about to head to Rome for the first time in 2022, course, yeah. and you know we've got to understand the culture, the way that the, how, how a spectator, how a sponsor, how a guest... Uh, in hospitality, um, it's, you know, we can't just dish out the, you know, what the standard fare is and that happens in the UK. We've got to look. And so, you know, over the next year, I'm attending a number of different sporting events in Italy to really understand what, how, how they entertain their guests. So. I was going to say exactly the same. Mm. We actually like the challenge of going somewhere new. I think anyone who gets into the event industry, that's part of the excitement, is to create a, a, a space, whether it be a temporary theatre space, a, a sporting venue, a classroom, to our... I think people in the industry generally it's thriving to have that challenge we like that's what we like about our industry so going to the going to each is the fact that it's at a different site in europe every four years actually it's a bonus it's not a negative i think it's uh, more work but you know uh, and when did that that planning uh, start i figure it's going to be a long long time but are you able to do much of what you will need to do in italy prior to last year's tournament or is it pretty much a case of get the tournament out of the way and then start to look at, at what you may be doing yeah i mean in italy it's slightly different we're, we're actually totally rebuilding the golf course so that that has started last year and we within the whole master planning we've looked at areas of obviously how we where the 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 um, tented village will go the spectator village where the hospitality units are going where the um where the guests are going to come in mm. and so we're working very much with the course designer on the site overlay and obviously over the at the moment i'm over there regularly trying to you know checking because obviously you have to tweak things as you go along but the principle is it's a it's going to be a totally new golf course that has been built for 2022 and uh, that's added a new dimension we did you know in going back to 2010 there was 10 new holes built for celtic manor when we took the Ryder cup to there right but really since then most of the venues that we've been going to have only been really tweaking the actual venues in a number of the holes we did some at the belfry in you know, it was done in 2002, but the Brabazon course was very much the same as it as it always was. Um, so this is this is a, again a new dimension and challenge. And as soon as the course is finished, we will start working on the on the actual site overlay in detail. Right. Uh, but our focus is very much on the getting the golf course built, the the planning of where the you know we're starting to put the fibre in for the for the connectivity, obviously water drainage, um, and working detail on the on the whole transport plan because obviously that's critical mm -hmm. to the to the set of spectators D david how often do you uh, and your team get to meet with the other suppliers that will be involved because as, as as edward has just alluded to that there are things like you know connectivity infrastructure cabling power all of those other you know uh, elements that have to come together to deliver the whole event how often in the run-up to such a big event as the Ryder cup do you get to meet with the other suppliers and be able to sort of sit around a table and, and plan what you're all going to do how it and how it's all going to work together i think edward pointed out earlier that, that the Ryder cup generally are quite loyal they're quite if you're a supplier to the Ryder Cup you tend to be uh, with the Ryder Cup for a, a quite a while so we we work with the suppliers that do the, the, on the Ryder Cup on other projects mm -hmm. so we see them all the time and we often talk about Ryder Cup in a non-structured way outside sure. of the event I mean I would say that probably three years before the European Ryder Cup Edward's got an idea Edward's team's got an idea of what they want that's got a commercial aspect which needs to be addressed you know two and a half three years out and by the time we're probably two years out we've pretty much there thereabouts or ish been appointed so once we're appointed yes we've got a level of infrastructure that we would talk to heating lighting carpets internal fit out mm. people but all those people 
we know quite well. I mean, there are friends among them, um, and we work with them on other events through the UK. There are structured um, supply meetings that uh, Ryder Cup put together, but actually it's a bigger picture than that. It's We're constantly looking, with the Ryder Cup, along with some of those real high-level projects, we're always talking to each other about those projects and what went wrong and what went right, what, how we can improve, how we can interact better, whether the seating could have toilets wedged underneath them so we took less footprint. Sure. This year the Ryder Cup put hospitality inside the seating stands uh, and that worked really, really well. Um, so those conversations happen all the time. It's, it's not a sit around 50 people around a table. You do get that, but mm. it's, I, I would suggest that a lot of the work goes on over conversations on other projects. So is, is that reassuring for you as, as, as match director and as, as an event organiser, Edward, to know that actually, you know, in that run-up, in that long, long run-up into, into each tournament, that you have got suppliers like David who are talking to your other suppliers, you know, and that you know those conversations are happening? Absolutely. I mean, when we appoint the suppliers, we want everyone to work together, and, that's, and we do hold, you know, um, probably quarterly, in a, you know, from two years out of mm. the, the key suppliers who are appointed, it's, it's really the tensions, the interiors, uh, the the power, the air conditioning uh, are the key ones to bring together. When it actually something we introduced for the first time in France this year was actually every day we had a structured uh, half an hour meeting of, of all the key suppliers on site. So they came in and uh, held by our ops team and gave everyone opportunities to raise any concerns but also for us to be monitoring the schedule uh, because it was very key. We had to be finished in time because of, of this um, health and safety visit that we had because the, they wouldn't accept if we hadn't finished a ramp or something. Sure. So we're working for, to a very detailed and timeline program that we had to get all the all the suppliers to buy into. And they knew that and it was very clear from the start. But, you know, the as events, everyone has to work together and that's mm. what we try and create that sort of collaborative approach. We do things like we have barbecues during the, you know, in the run-up to the event to try and get everyone to have a bit of time together so and we appreciate it's all you know everyone's working long hours but occasionally we try and do these things to try and um, create the, the right environment for everyone to, to get on. With the, with, sorry uh, I was going to ask about the adaptability of some of the structures in there David um, again I would guess that, that every day you've got different corporate sponsors different levels of hospitality um, during the actual live days of the, of the tournament and during the practice uh, days as well um, is there any adaptability built into the structures once they're up are they pretty much stay like that for Ryder Cup I don't think there is I mean there, it can be done absolutely mm. it's not difficult at all but the way that I think the hospitality packages are sold in the Ryder Cup you have a package which you are tied into for the duration of the cup so we don't need that flexibility mm -hmm. in fact what it does do is means you can spend slightly more of the budget on creating a more bespoke environment yeah. for that particular guest so actually it's a benefit they have that because it becomes their mm -hmm. space so I can't remember all the sponsors we have but some of the sponsors lounges at Ryder Cup are absolutely stunning yeah. the internal fit out is beautiful and, and, and is there much, well, well, just referencing back to, to Rome and in Italy in a, in a few years time um, will you look to uh, actually tailor the, the, the decor and the, and, the, and the insides of that based on the location that you're at. You know, do you, when you're in France, you want that sort of Parisian mm. flavour to come through in the structures. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, obviously within the interiors and looks of the structures, but it, it's the critical element is the food, the catering, and you know the, the theme and the, and the flavours of the food was very Parisian. And the same, obviously, we know that one of the passions of the Italians is Italian food. Mm. Not this is pizza or pasta, but it's, it's we've got to to ensure that the the, the flavours are respected because that's mm. what people expect. So, excellent. Um, 
We're, we're rushing and hurtling towards the end of today's episode. Um, it's one of those episodes that I love because I feel like that there's so much that we could talk about. Um, and perhaps further down the line, as things progress, maybe it's something that we re revisit on a, on a regular basis. Maybe once a year we can get together in a room and, and find out how <laughs> things are progressing because it's been great. On today's podcast, we've been talking to Edward Kitson. Edwards is the Ryder Cup match director. And David Tunnicliffe. David is the commercial director at GL Event, talking about their involvement in the Ryder Cup. The 42nd Ryder Cup matches were held in France between the 28th and 30th of September 2018. A huge undertaking and uh, if you've ever watched a Ryder Cup, seen pictures of it, watched it on television, it's mammoth and as we've alluded to in today's episode of the podcast, the structures are very much an integral part of the tournament. They become iconic, they become part of it and when you look back in those photos in years to come, that's what you'll see. Um, guys, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Um, thanks once again to our hosts. Um, today we've set up the podcast studio remotely. Not something we've done in a couple of years. They all tend to be recorded now via laptops and internet connections. But uh, I'm delighted that today we're at the London home of Crucial Effects uh, and their brand new Origin experience. If you want to find them on Twitter, at Origin underscore London is the Twitter handle. Thank you very much to the guys from Crucial Effects for hosting the podcast and allowing us to set up the studio today. And we will see you on the next edition of the Event Industry News Podcast. Thanks very much and goodbye.